All right, Dave, tell everybody who we have on uh, the show this well, week. When you, when you think of great American companies, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know. Look, look at your computer. What, what is that little logo right there on the computer? Uh, Apple? Yes, oh. Apple. So, oh. so uh, I, let's talk to the one of the people that are was on the ground floor of Apple. We are talking... The core. Don't see what I did there. Oh, the, I like the that. Core of the Apple. Yeah. On the start of Apple, we've got <laughs> Ronald G. Wayne coming up, one of the co-founders. Right after this. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Man Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. So, as Dave mentioned, you may not know his name, but uh, certainly know the company. 47 years ago, he and a couple of guys named Steve incorporated a company called Apple. No, no really, that <laughs> Apple. Please welcome to the show, Ronald G. Wayne. How are you? Good morning, sir. Thank you for the opportunity to discuss this. Yeah, you don't have to call us sir, but thank you yeah, for the, uh, the uh, respect that we yeah. deserve. Yes, exactly. I was taught with patient guidance and a skilled hand with a razor strap to be courteous. Okay, well, okay. thank you. Well, there we go. But you, you don't have to. <laughs> uh, let's set the stage for everybody here. It's 1976. Steve Jobs, who you met at Artari, asked you to help him talk some sense into Steve Wozniak. Take us back to that day 47 years ago. Well, uh, Jobs and Wozniak had been chums for a very long time. They were... Uh, uh, together in a uh, computer uh, hobbyists group that took uh, business computers and converted them uh, into personal computers. But, of course, Wozniak had a different idea. He was going to start from scratch and build a machine up from nothing, which is what he did, making it uh, effectively the best product at the best time under those circumstances. However... Uh, Wozniak, a brilliant electronics uh, engineer, um, did not quite understand the elements of business. And uh, he was very parental about his circuitry and insisted on uh, the opportunity to use these circuits in other applications, whereupon Steve, Woz Steve Jobs went straight up the wall, turned left. You can't do that. Uh, whatever circuits you design, would be proprietary to our company. And uh, Jobs was, of course, many things, but diplomat was not one of them. <laughs> you, you know what a diplomat is. That's yeah. a guy who will tell you to go to hell in a way that makes you look right. forward. You just have to tell them, sir. Yeah, you just have to use the word sir. And it's the... <laughs> right. At any rate, um, uh, Jobs came to me. I was, uh, uh, at that time, um, Chief Drossman, the product development engineer at Atari, and uh, Jobs was never an employee of Atari. He was uh, oh. engaged uh, as a consultant uh, to Nolan Bushnell, the uh, founder of the company, and uh, was selling him circuit designs for new games which have been created by Wozniak. Uh, and Jobs came to me one day and he said, I'm having this problem with my partner here and uh, I, I don't seem to be able to get him to understand uh, the idea of, of proprietorship. And uh, I said, well, that's no problem. We'll bring him over to the house. We'll sit down. We'll chat about it. I get him to understand. Well, Wozniak was a reasonable guy and it, uh, it only took 
uh, about 20 minutes to get the understanding across. It was at that moment in time that Jobs jumped up and said, that's it, we're going to form a company, the Apple Computer Company. This is and never going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, okay, fine. And uh, he and uh, Waz would each hold 45%, and I would hold 10% as a tiebreaker in case any further disputes came up. Jobs felt that I would come down on the side of reason. So that's how effectively this all began. So you drew up a contract, right? And and you... Yeah, it was quite a surprise to Wozniak. In fact, he could knock his eyes off with a stick when he saw me sit down to a typewriter and type up a three-page formal contract. Oh, you uh, did it yourself. Out of, yeah. out of memory? How, how did you do it? I mean, did you... I had drawn up contracts like this before. I had, after all, I was in my 40s. Those kids were in their 20s. And I had 20 years experience behind me in all sorts of aspects of business and other things. And uh, I knew how to drop a contract. And uh, uh, Waz in particular was, was amazed that somebody could sit down and do that. But anyway, that's what I did. Uh, and uh, thus was born the Apple Computer Company, wow. of which I was a part. So, you know, you mentioned that you were 20 years older than the Steves, right? You're in your 40s, yeah. they're in their 20s. So, in a sense, yeah. a lot of the, you were the adult in the room, or I don't know I, if that's I the right. I was the mentor, yes. Yeah. So, I, let me ask you a question. I, I don't, we don't have visual contact with you, but I, I assume we're not speaking to you from your villa <laughs> in the middle of the Mediterranean. So, I have led a charmed life, but at the same time, not a very uh, financially productive one. So, um, yeah. yeah. Several uh, months after we began this enterprise, for various good reasons of my own, I decided to uh, uh, part ways with the gentleman, and I went off and did my thing. Uh, they, there was no dispute or argument or, or anything else. Uh, and they understood that, uh, among other things, my passion wasn't computers. It was designing slot machines. Slot machines, yeah. Oh. <laughs> and that's what I went on to do uh, later on. So let me ask, let me ask the, I guess there's, there's, we gotta, there's, there's an elephant it. in the room here. So 10% share, uh, you sell back to Steve and Steve. Um, no, I did no? not sell it back. Oh, okay. I was there to help them out. After I had left the enterprise, several weeks after, I get a check in the mail from Jobs for $800. Oh. Uh, and then beyond that, they uh, apparently uh, got, got hold of a finder by the name of Arthur Rock, uh, uh, who uh, found them $25 million to found the Apple Corporation. Ah. I didn't know about that, except that I got a letter one day from an attorney saying if I would sign this piece of paper, uh, uh, getting rid of all of, uh, responsibilities whatsoever under my partnership agreement, that uh, the enclosed check for $1,500 would be mine. And of course, I, having already done that, I figured this was found money, so I, I signed the paper and that was that. 
Well, oh, then, no. now we're talking real money. Yeah, yeah, fifteen hundred in nineteen seventy-eight, or what I year mean, was this? Nineteen seventy-six. Yeah, that, that's like I could buy a whole <laughs> uh, a truckload of leisure suits. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so you know, I, I and I have read a lot of your article or your interviews, and you seem not to have any regrets that you did no, this whatsoever. But, to begin with, these guys I knew. I was standing in the shadow of giants. And this was one of the reasons I separated myself is because I, as a product development engineer in my own right, I knew that I was never going to get a project of my own. It was all, you were always going to be in their shadow. That's correct. But worse than that, uh, Jobs had uh, looked on while I restructured the entire uh, purchase parts documentation system for Atari. And he was very impressed with that. As a matter of fact, I think he probably copped a, uh, a copy of the manual to uh, give to whoever it was he made chief draftsman at, at Apple and said, why don't you to use this, okay? Uh, but at any rate, uh, these guys were whirlwinds. It was like having a tiger by the tail. And uh, uh, it was just easy for me to uh, say, you know, thank you very much, guys. I hope I've been helpful. Uh, I will fade from the scene. And that was it. That was essentially the end of my participation in Apple. Now, did you Almost. had you talked to them afterward? I mean, you would seem that you parted well. Did, did you have any contact with them? After? Uh, it, it, very uh, intermittently over a span of a couple of years, uh, yes. But they, they were just intermittent conversations. Nothing, nothing significant, and nothing related to business. <laughs> you know, I I always have this vision that like Paul McCartney and John Lennon would call Pete Best. You know, the, the, you know, and, and, and brag that how rich they were. They never yeah. did that to you, did they? You know, they, they, they didn't say, hey, look, uh, bought another yacht. How are you doing? Did they, they never did anything like that, did they? Right. No. That's Dad, did, did you buy an Apple? Are you an Apple user? I have never owned an Apple product. Really? I never even had a computer until 15 years later. And people would ask me, well, what kind of computer do you own? I said, well, I don't. I don't have one. Uh, and they said, why not? I said, what would I do with it? You give me a reason for having one, I'll get one. Otherwise, uh, you know, computers were not my thing. Well, I, you know, obviously you're an author, uh, so now computers are. You could write yeah, your book. <laughs> exactly. Um, you've written well, three I, books. And I use a word processor and uh, uh, to do my typing. And uh, yes, I, I Adapted uh, to those elements of the modern world that uh, that I find useful. You I know, don't find until I don't do it. Have you heard of TikTok? <laughs> I, you know, I, I think this TikTok, your your TikToks could go crazy. How you're, with your story? I think that this would be great. So I, I'm I'm looking into your books here. You've uh, written three: uh, Insolence of Office, Sociopolitics, yeah. uh, Socioeconomics, and the American Republic. Some light uh, reading. Uh, there's another one called Adventures of an Apple Founder, yeah. which I'm sure covers a lot of the uh, the my ground. That is my autobiography. Okay, great. And then most recently, this one's kind of interesting to both Dave and I. It's called Counterfeit Trust and the Nature yeah. of Money. Um, yes. Tell us about that book. And that just came out in August, right? I mean, or it's just a few. Well, it will be in formal print within the month. Okay. 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 
Right. And uh, it deals with the fact that uh, uh, we have, uh, as everyone knows, a rather substantial inflation. The only problem is that most people have absolutely no idea where that inflation came from or where we're headed. And that, unfortunately, is kind of bad because uh, when the roof caves in, which it will, uh, a lot of people are going to be uh, looking around saying, what happened? I don't understand what's going on. And because they don't understand, uh, I uh, made it my job over the last 60 years to try and get people to understand, not with a great deal of success, unfortunately. Uh, I would like to get everybody in the country to understand where this inflation came from. And it came from, of all places, a conference in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire in 1944 at the tail end of World War II. Uh, what had happened was that uh, World War II, uh, without going into all the subtle details of it, was literally the most expensive war in human history. So uh, what had happened as a result of that is that of the 40 allied nations, more than uh, uh, half uh, had already gone bankrupt. In those days, you know, you, you, how do you fight a war without money? It meant how do you fight a war without gold? And these uh, people had spent everything they had, and there was more war to come, and how are they going to deal with it? So the 40 Allied nations uh, sent a total of 720 representatives to a conference at Bretton Woods, New Hampshire, to decide what they were going to do about the problem. Well, what they decided to do was to take the world off the gold standard and uh, have the currencies of the world become what's called fiat money, money by decree, money with no substance behind it, except the uh, word of the uh, issuing uh, government. Kind of like your 10% of Apple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this uh, set up uh, the beginnings of a 70-year inflation. And unfortunately, uh, with, uh, you know, there are uh, countries around the world that have gone into hyperinflation. Germany, of course, is, right. is remarkable of them uh, because of the reparations that they had to pay to France. And uh, uh, they were absolutely destitute at the end of the war. They had no gold, no mm -hmm. silver. Their money was nothing but worthless paper. Well, by 1921, as a result of that, it was 50 marks to mail a letter. Right. By the end of 1921, it was 100,000 marks to mail a letter. By the end of 1922, it was 20 billion marks to mail a letter. <laughs> but they were they were great stamps, though. Yeah. They were really <laughs> pretty stamps. I have two, I have two of those uh, 20 billion mark stamps. One of them is canceled. It actually carried a letter. Wow. I mean, the inflation in Germany at that time was so bad that when you went into a restaurant to have a meal, you would pay for your meal in advance because if you waited until the meal was over, the price would have gone yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. So at any rate, there, as I say, there are countries all over the world that have gone into this kind of hyperinflation. Uh, I, I think the most uh, remarkable is... Uh, Oh, uh, a country in Africa, Zimbabwe. And uh, they finally issued a note uh, for 100 trillion Zimbabwean dollars. 
and that was the last piece of money they issued. After that, they stopped issuing money altogether and adopted the U.S. dollar as their currency. Uh, and uh, somehow or other, people go into hyperinflation and, and they work their way out of it, largely because they're surrounded with uh, uh, countries with viable economies with whom they can trade and rebuild their economy. The problem with what happened at Bretton Woods was the whole world went off of gold. Gold, which had been a stable currency for 3,000 years. And suddenly it wasn't there anymore, and what you had was paper money. And the net result was an inflation that is now worldwide. Now, when you have a country going into hyperinflation, they can rely on other countries to help them out. When the whole world is on fiat money, the whole world goes into hyperinflation. Now, what do you do? It's like... Uh, your house catches on fire, and you decide you call the fire department. They send out the wagon, and they take care of it. But what do you do if the whole town, including the fire department's on fire? Then who do you call? The point is that when that happens on a worldwide basis, uh, forgive the expression, that is the end of civilization as we know it. Oh, this has been. Huh, a, this is an upper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm guessing that you have. All your savings in in precious metals is that is that true? My savings is principally in common U.S. silver coin. Hmm. Okay. Because what is going to happen? I'll make this prediction, and everybody out there should remember where they heard it. And that is, at some point in time, you're going to go down the street, and it's going to be a big sign saying "hamburger, five dollars or twenty-five cents silver." Hmm. Okay, and then about a month later, you go on the same street, and it's going to be hamburger, $10 or 25 cents silver. And after that, it's going to be keep your toilet paper, just give us the 25 cents silver. Mm. Now, make this prediction as what will happen, uh, because it has already happened here once before. In 1980, when there was a big run-up in silver right. and gold. Right, the uh, brothers. Right. I opened the newspaper one day, and there's a full-page ad. You want to buy a brand-new Chevrolet for $400, uh, silver dollars, please. Uh, you want to buy a brand-new TV set uh, for $10, uh, silver dollars, please. It was a lark at that time. The next time, it'll be serious. Wow. And people will be, businesses will be selling their services or their products for uh, denominations in uh, two denominations, one to be payable in paper money and the other much lower in silver coin. So the, the defense, the only defense that, we, that the average citizen really has is to start squirreling away silver dimes and quarters as, at, at your earliest opportunity and to whatever extent you can manage. Um, this is uh, what you will have as money because when the roof caves in that silver coin will enable you to buy anything or anyone you want wow, okay. and those who don't have it are going to be up the tributary without the usual device um when is this going to happen i'm just curious <laughs> yeah. hypothetically <laughs> when do you everybody asks me that question yeah. and the answer is my crystal ball blew a fuse last week okay okay all right yeah. Well, you know, if you would have bought an Apple crystal ball, that wouldn't have had a problem. <laughs> right. So the book uh, is called 
counterfeit trust and the Uh, nature of money. Correct. And it, where can people find it? Uh, it should be available at Amazon. It could probably wind up on, uh, iTunes and, and, uh, Kindle, uh, electronically, I expect. Okay. And, uh, that's basically it. And it's uh, and it's going to be nineteen dollars in U.S. and three cents in silver, right? Yeah. Is that what the <laughs> three times <laughs> thirty cents? Thirty cents. Ronald, thank you very much for coming on the show. This, this has been, been a really interesting conversation. I appreciate it very well, much. Well, thank you for this opportunity to get people to at least take a look at this yeah. problem. The book is essentially as uh, a single line heading. It says. Everything you always wanted to know about money, but were afraid to ask. Yeah. Uh, and it's important. It is critical that people have this information now yeah. uh, because time is, is telescoping fast. Well, yeah, thanks yeah, for well, th- thanks. not only scaring the crap out of all of our <laughs> listeners, but thanks for the advice, you know. I do appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, uh, and okay. and have, have a great day. Thanks, Ronald. Thank you. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There he is. Wow. Yeah, that was yeah. an upper. Yeah. No. Well, you know, I I've been hearing this for uh, right forever. It, you know, it could happen. Right, it uh, could happen. Yeah, um, um, you know, I remember my grandfather telling stories that they paid their, you know, their maid service in know. bags and bags of cash. Yeah. You know, um, right. So, so there's some advice from the guy who sold Apple 10 percent rate. Well, bucks. there is that. <laughs> but that but is no, in what the he back says, of your head. <laughs> what but, he says is very. But thank you very much to Ronald Wayne for being on the show. Uh, we need to thank some people uh, on our end here. We need to thank Tony Lasano mm-hmm. from uh, OpieShows.com. Uh, Opie is hippo backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, we should thank Brandon, Brandon, uh, Herman, who, who, who scored, scored us this uh, guest. We also have to thank Ed Silla, Ed Silla. with Radio Miss, who actually just called and want to know how you're feeling. Is is that yeah, right? Because I don't think he has. Yeah, he has not reached yeah, out to me. He's oh, pretty man. concerned about it. Well, no, I don't think he is. Um, RadioMisfits.com. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. RadioMisfits.com. And we'll be back again soon with a brand new episode of. I'm Anusha Mellon, Celebrity Interview. The preceding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up?